Welcome. I think it's time to start our session, so uh, we're going to begin. Uh, the name of our session is Families in Mission, but we've added a subtitle. You can see Preparing to Thrive. And that's what we want to focus our discussion on today. For those of you that are married, uh, have a family, or hope to, uh, this session is geared toward, toward helping you thrive as a family on the mission field. A little intro uh, of my wife and I. We are John and Rachel Wind. Now, I, I, need, to, I need to correct something. Uh, in here in the, uh, in the book, uh, on our session, it says, uh, Families and Mission, John and Rachel Wind, M.D., we, we do not have medical degrees, unfortunately. Um, I, I am working on a Ph.D. in Christian missions, but that's a different kind of doctor. So, uh, so just so you know, I, I don't have an M.D. Um, uh, we spent, we've been married. We've been married for 17 years, 17 years next month. And uh, we spent eight years as missionaries in China with the International Mission Board. And then about two years ago, we came back to the States for me to begin pursuing this Ph.D. in Christian missions. And as you can see, it's, it's not just uh, Rachel and I that make up our family. We have four little girls. Uh, Claire Ann is eight now. Uh, Chloe is seven. Uh, Kristen is five. And Karis is one. And uh, like many things nowadays, the first three of our girls are made in China. So, <laughs> Karis is made in the USA. Uh, so we have that going for us. But uh, my wife is always embarrassed whenever I make that joke. But it's a great joke, so I can't, I can't resist. <laughs> well, before we uh, go any further, we'd like to pause and pray with you. So let's pray. Our Father, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to come together and to think about the family, to think about marriage, to think about missions and how these two things go together. We thank you that... Family, marriage, and missions are all your idea, and so these things do fit together. So give us wisdom today, Lord. Help Rachel and I to speak out of our experience and out of your word that we might guide these brothers and sisters to uh, pursue your will, both in marriage and family and in missions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. January 2004. On, on January 1st, 2004, we landed in a city filled with strangers that we'd never been, people who spoke a language we didn't speak yet, and uh, ready to do work that we weren't sure what it was going to be yet. And we uh, were hoping to meet a man with a vehicle at the airport from the university where we're going to study. Thankfully, he was there. Uh, unfortunately, his vehicle was so small, this... They call it a bread taxi in, in, in China. It's a little tiny van that we had eight trunks, which was most of our earthly belongings, and we were concerned whether they were going to fit inside. They did, though I had to crouch on top of the luggage the whole bouncy trip to the university. That was how our life in China began. About four months later, uh, we were already overwhelmed. We had arrived to a dormitory room uh, with cement floors. You can see a picture of it right there, actually. And... Uh, so we, we began taking language classes which were over our head, focused on writing Chinese characters and, 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 uh, and, and trying to speak a language we had never learned before. We had battled some sickness. Uh, there was immediate tension of the difficulty of living with a dual identity in a closed country. Um, we had a supervisor who lived far away in Singapore who was already putting some pressure on us to, to, develop, to, to uh, produce results. Um, 
As well, there was a happy uh, occurrence, but it also complicated our lives, and that is Rachel became pregnant with our first child. And probably the most difficult aspect of all is that though we had entered into this super spiritual class known as missionaries, we discovered that unfortunately when we left the border of the U.S., we did not leave our sinful fallen natures behind us. And instead... Uh, arriving in this, this new and difficult cross-cultural situation only made our battle with sin all the more difficult. So this is just a little snapshot of some of the challenges that are commonly faced by missionaries on the mission field. And so our question today is, with circumstances like this, or perhaps you've had experiences or know of experiences which are much more challenging than we just described, with circumstances like this, Is it possible for your marriage and your family to thrive on the mission field? And if so, how? Well, that's what we would like to speak to today uh, in particular. We want to try to provide some answers for how we believe you can thrive as a family on the mission field, not just survive. So we want to help you prepare to thrive. Now, before we do that, um, we want to clarify a few things. We talked, our, our, the title of our seminar is Families and Missions. Now, you've heard about our family, uh, the specifics of our family, but there are, there's a whole range to what families can mean and what missions can mean. Families, you could be uh, uh, an older married couple or a, a newly married couple. That's going to have a big, a big impact on how these things play out in the mission field. You could have children like us, or you could have no children. Well, that's going to affected as well. Or you could have small children like we did, or you could have older children at a different stage in life, or maybe you have adult children who aren't even coming with you. All these factors play into the idea of your family. And so everyone who has a, a, a unique situation, some of you are not married yet, but I'm assuming since you're here, you must have some hopes to someday be married and be in missions as a family. And so there's lots of different uh, situations that might be covered by that term families. But it's, it's the same with missions. We were not medical missionaries. We're not medical doctors. We, were in, we did evangelism and church planning. That was our main focus. But the majority of you here are going in more of a healthcare, medical missions direction with the kind of mission work you're going to do. As well, we were in China, an Asian culture, East Asian culture, but you might be hoping to go to completely different cultures, Muslim, African, South American. There's a whole lot of new and different factors there as well. And we went with the International Mission Board. You will probably be with a different organization. That is likewise going to affect uh, how, uh, how being a missionary is going to, going to impact your marriage and family. So because of that diversity that we know is, is, is represented in this room, one of our goals today is to provide some broad principles that hopefully can apply across the board to all sorts of different family situations and mission situations and, of course, at the same time provide uh, uh, personal illustrations out of our own experience. So that's what we hope to do uh, today. So our primary audience today, we're really hopeful this will be helpful for you um, as you're thinking about these things. Um, if you're married already, if you are if you are single and you're hoping to be married, um, we're just, we're, maybe some of you have already been involved in cross-cultural missions. You have a sense of some of these challenges we've been talking about, or maybe others of you just have no idea, but you're willing and you're, you're ready to go and you're thinking about that. So, so that's what we're trying to do. That's how we're seeking to help today and um, really hoping that this will be a, a fruitful time. 
as well, um, just to give you an idea of the structure of our time, we're hoping to spend this time identifying 15 key elements of a family action plan for thriving on the mission field. And our really our main goal is this next part here, so that you would set aside some time to prayerfully develop your own family action plan. So as you're listening, we're going to be talking through those 15 pretty quickly. And so we would love for you to be thinking about this. Um, we're going to be introducing a breadth of elements rather than going in-depth in every one. But that task might be for you later. In fact, that's our goal for you, is to just motivate and encourage and inspire you to go ahead later on and take some time to talk through these things. Uh, maybe even taking kind of a retreat and um, spending a day away and talking through some of these things. Maybe it would be a family retreat, not just you and, and your spouse, but your children as well, if they are going to be going with you. So just so you know, this is kind of what where we're headed. We also hope to have a few minutes at the end, about 10 minutes at the end for question and answer. So if you do have questions, please drop them down. We'd love to, to try to answer those at the end. One key factor as we talk about um, thriving, preparing to thrive in the mission fields of family, is communication. Uh, so Rachel has said our goal, we're going to touch on a bunch of areas today, but we're not going to answer all your questions and we're certainly not going to solve all your problems. Um, the, the goal here is to start a conversation. So Rachel suggested you could take a, a, a if you're already married, you could take a married, you could take a retreat, or if you have older children who could participate, you could take a family retreat and begin to talk through these areas because they're going to be very. We're going to talk about our experience, but there's a lot of elements that are going to be specific to you and your marriage and your family. Uh, of course, if you're single, be thinking about these things in advance. These are the kind of things you could talk about with a potential future spouse. So these are important areas that are going to impact your ability to thrive on the mission field. So communication is key here. Um, You've got to talk through, begin talking through these things, and it's not uh, uh, finishing the conversation before you leave. It's continuing the conversation after you arrive on the mission field. And one of the key words is expectations. Now, you might feel like, ah, we've got a great marriage, a great family, we're strong, we're healthy. You know, I think we're going to do fine. Well, that's good, but a real expectation would be, would be the mission field is a stressful place. Cross-cultural living and ministry is stressful, and it's going to affect your marriage and family, regardless of what you think right now. So you need to have clear expectations. You need to have clear expectations uh, about what you're going to encounter, what kind of culture is there. You need to have a good evaluation of who you are, your strengths and your weaknesses, the strengths and weaknesses of your marriage, uh, questions, of particular questions about what to expect for your work. Uh, these are uh, really important to help you thrive and not to be torpedoed by the unexpected difficulties that are go you're going to uh, find on the mission field. And so expectations is a real cure key factor. I just want to jump in there and say we've always found it's more helpful to have very low expectations. <laughs> Do I have a place to lay my head at night? That is maybe a realistic expectation. Will it be clean? Will it be fresh smelling? Will there be a bathroom nearby? I mean, those might be unrealistic expectations. So just keeping your expectations low in some of those circumstances can be really helpful. When we moved into our dorm room with a cement floor, um, I was so thankful that we had our own bathroom. We had no kitchen, so we ate at the cafeteria, and then actually a few months in, we found somewhere in town that had a toaster, and that just, like, significantly improved the quality of my life at that point because we could buy peanut butter. So suddenly, a whole new realm of, of uh, dining options was open to us. But 
the cement floor was fine. We could deal with that, but the bathroom was crucial, especially <laughs> as we had, as I was expecting Claire in and was sick every day. Like, that toilet was extremely helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so expectations are important. Um, and if you, an accurate, more accurate, the better. But if you aren't certain, keep them low. Just be flexible and ready for whatever, whatever will happen. Um, just a few more things. So we're going to go into these 15 key elements. We're going to kind of buzz through them and give some illustrations. Uh, on the website for the class, we've uploaded a few things. There's just a very basic worksheet with the 15 elements. This is meant to be something you could download and use and work through and have some space to, to, to talk with your spouse or your family just uh, over these 15 areas we're about to address. Also, our PowerPoint is there uh, if you want to use that or want to look back at it. And then also we uploaded five um, fairly brief articles that relate with to a marriage and family on the mission field that, that might be helpful to you. So those are all on the website. The first um, area we want to talk about is the idea of confirming a shared call. Um, this is a prayer card picture that we used. Um, we, at that point, had three of our daughters. And one of the things, John mentioned earlier, just some of the struggles that we were facing in our first year and even into two years on the field. Um, as we were facing those struggles, we were discouraged at times. We were lonely. We were overwhelmed with um, language. I particularly, I just remember being overwhelmed that a two-year-old child could communicate their basic needs better than I could. Um, that, was, that was humbling and, and kind of overwhelming. But even as we were facing those difficulties and struggles, I feel like the Lord really confirmed in both of us, this is where I have you. This is where I want you. And if you can clarify that both of you our feeling that shared call that is really crucial. We were able to rest in the fact that we knew God called us. And so that sustained us during some of those difficult times. We were obeying him, even if we felt like we are failing miserably at this life that we're trying to, to lead here or doing anything productive for him. We did feel the, the peace and the assurance that um, he had called us to it and he was going to be faithful to sustain us. second area is agreeing on clear priorities. Uh, in particular here, I've got uh, one particular order of priority. And that is an agreement between you and your spouse, and with, if you've got older children as well, that the number one responsibility you have as believers is abiding in Christ. That relationship with Christ is number one. Uh, a, a verse you know, John 15:5. Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him... He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to remind ourselves of this often, that we can do a lot of activity on the mission field that's going to be fine as far as it goes, but apart from abiding in Christ, Christ, we can do nothing of eternal value. So that needs to be an agreement between spouse and in the family, that this family, first and foremost, has the priority of abiding in Christ. That Christ needs to be number one in your hearts and in your family. And then second needs to be the priority. So your ministers, your missionaries, you're going to minister through medicine and through whatever other means. You're, but your number one ministry, if you're married, if you've got children, is ministry to the family. A verse that illustrates this principle from scriptures from 1 Timothy 3, 
Um, this is referring, obviously, to uh, a, a church office, the office of overseer, saying is trustworthy. If one is, aspires to the office of overseer, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Um, again, this is a particular situation in terms of church leadership, but I think the principle applies. That if you cannot first minister to and shepherd your own flock, how can you minister outside the home? And this is the order of priority that, again, a husband and wife and a family has to agree upon. First is Christ, but second, we have a responsibility for our family. And then, of course, third is our ministry out to the world, to the church, to society. So, again, this is really important that this is agreed on. Uh, with, between husband and wife before you go on the field. Otherwise, this is, gonna, this is going to undercut your ability to thrive uh, on the mission field. Next, we'd like to look at um, the idea of... Oh, here you see a picture of my daughter, Karis, who was very much enjoying her peanut butter and jelly sandwich um, with it all over. But that is an important step, actually, in her life because she is learning to feed herself. She is over a year now, so she's had some practice for a number of months. But she is learning how to feed herself, and that is what we need to do as believers as well. Um, Establishing individual spiritual habits are so important. If you are merely depending on the support of your church, your Christian friends, um, the Christian resources that you have around you, a lot of those things are not going to be available to you overseas. Um, They may be, or they may be in some limited way, but if you don't know how to open God's Word in the morning and and read it and and get strength and help from His Word, that is going to undercut you as well. So just even now in your life, um, thinking about how can I strengthen my spiritual life, how does the Lord want to help me in that area. Um, it's important to be able to feed yourself. When you don't have that church community around you, you're not hearing good preaching every week, and you know those things are, are um, they seem so far away, it's really, really important to be able to, um, to feed yourself. So, so those support systems are gone, and, and uh, you need to be able to, to stay close to the Lord. Related to that is establishing family spiritual habits. The picture is uh, family worship at the winds. Um, Our girls like to dance as an expression of worship. There you see Chloe and Kristen dance around. Claire and Karis are playing instruments. I'm playing the drums. Um, That's what we do. Uh, You know, when we first went to China, we didn't have any kids yet, and it's something we've struggled with in our life to have any sort of regular time where we're praying together or reading scripture together. That was not something we did well at. Mm-hmm. And even after we arrived on the mission field, it was still an area that um, we struggled to do. Though we recognized, hey, we need to do this. This is really important for our marriage and for our spiritual health. Actually, when we had kids, that really helped us for the first time to get established in something more consistent uh, as we would, would have time with the kids. And that's continued now. We're thankful into our life here in the States is family worship. And so it's not just the ability to feed yourself. You do need community and it needs to start at home. And so Again, you might, you know, we're, in this case, we're, uh, we just have a, some music playing on our iPod and we're playing along to Whatever works for you. The key is, as a family, approaching God together. 
whatever length or whatever particular content, you're taking time in some regular fashion to approach God together. In prayer, maybe some singing, uh, maybe reading the Word, reading a book together, whatever. Just that that regular uh, habit of approaching the throne of grace as a family is going to be a key to thriving on the mission field. And then kind of branching out from that, establishing community spiritual habits. So we went, when we first moved to China, we were living um, in, a, in a mega city, um, but we were the only people from our organization there. So initially it was just the two of us. So it was the two of us for breakfast, it was the two of us for lunch, and then it was the two of us for church on Sunday. And then, you know, so, so that, that is a very... Um, uh, just a different kind of a unique kind of a challenge. But one thing that we found as, um, as life went on, we were able to build a team, and this is a picture of some of our teammates at, at this one point in time. But we did find missionaries can tend to be independent sorts, you know, kind of self-reliant, yeah, I can do it, you know, and that's a good thing. That's what motivated you and allowed you to have the strength to, to leave things behind in the state to be able to go and, and reach out in that way. But um, we also need encouragement, accountability, and support from community, from other brothers and sisters. It is foolish to isolate yourself. So we found that um, it was just so helpful once as we did start um, having teammates join us that it, there's a reason Jesus said, sent them out two by two, right? He, he knew we need that. We need that accountability. Um, and so it really was helpful for us as, as we um, had that team life happening. Really impacted us. For example, I had been praying for the first two years we were there. We didn't have any teammates. It was in the third year where we had uh, a couple come and join us. And I had been praying for a friend for those two years. And I wasn't sure if it was going to be a Chinese woman or if it was going to be somebody from the States that I just um, developed a closer email relationship with or what. But then the Lord provided these teammates in kind of an unusual way. And it just made all the difference. Um, For one thing, it really impacted me personally in that because China is a, a closed country and we were kind of under this dual identity. We were students, so if I met a Chinese person, they said, oh, what are, you know, what are you doing here? Why did you move here? We would say, well, we're studying Chinese at the university. But my heart was burning to say, we want to tell you about Jesus, you know, and so, so but there, we used, we obviously did tell people about Jesus, but we had to use some discretion, especially on first meeting people. So having teammates that know who you are and why you're there was just incredibly encouraging. So, um, but we would also suggest, if that's the situation you're going into, communicate clearly beforehand with your future team to have some expectations of team life. For example, we had um, a team worship once a week, and then the women got together on a particular night for prayer and accountability, and the men did the same. So that was something we just felt was a healthy way for us to, to maintain that good community, work things out. It wasn't always, you know, as smooth as silk. We had some times where we had to work through some bumps in the road, but it really was um, such a blessing. So as well, community might come from your local church life. You may be going into a situation where you can go to a local church and you can be part of that church. That might be a really wonderful way to establish that community. Or perhaps through your sending organization. Maybe they send some other people. Maybe they are providing some uh, kind of member care or something like that. 
So that can also be a way to have those community, um, that community input. And then finally, we want to really emphasize uh, believers here in the States, um, prayer supporters, people who you know when you send out a prayer letter, they're really going to be praying for you. They are going to, maybe they'll send you a quick email back and say, I'm praying for you this week. That's wonderful. That's the kind of thing that um, really is helpful to establish those habits and just be able to know that you're being undergirded and supported. This is, uh, <laughs> this is uh, the kind of sign we saw fairly regularly in China. It's always brought a laugh. You can see it's got the Chinese in there. And then underneath it says, carefully slip and fall down. <laughs> Obviously, it's meant to be a warning to be careful not to slip. But oftentimes, they would put the English on, and it just wasn't quite right. Well, communication is really important. And so another thing you need to work on uh, as you prepare to thrive, is developing good communication habits as a husband and wife and potentially with children as well. Uh, now, again, you're always growing in communication, but you want to talk about this. So, again, the idea of taking a retreat and talking through each of these areas. And then at some point in your retreat, you talk with your wife. Now, let's talk about how we communicate. Let's, let's talk about our habits and, and, and plan and prepare to continue to grow in that area and, and, and to ensure that you can communicate well when you get on the field. Now, everyone's different. Rachel and I both tend to be talkers and fairly verbal. We kind of process things out loud. And so uh, we, we talk a lot. Some people are different. One talks more, one doesn't. Both quiet. It's okay. You've got to find a way with you and your spouse, as well as eventually with children, to find a way to have open channels of communication, have good habits of communication, because you're going to have stresses. There's going to be difficulties overseas, and you've got to be able to talk through it. You've got to be able to talk through matters uh, in, in areas that need to be... Uh, Decisions need to be made on, and if you're not having established good communication habits, that's going to be difficult. As well, um, we have found. Um, well, here you see a picture of John and I where we're smiling so nicely, right? Such a lovely. That's the kind of picture you put on your Christmas card or you put up on Facebook. But trust me, we're not always smiling. <laughs> and in fact, we found that it was essential to develop good conflict management habits. Um, just in terms of thinking about the ground rules, kind of, of your relationship. If I had apply this to my, to my girls and helping them not fight, we have certain ground rules, such as if someone is holding something, you cannot take it out of her hand. Or, you know, you need to speak in a kind tone of voice. Or things like that. We don't, you know, we don't use mean words. Or we do apologize. Things like that. So, with you and your spouse, just thinking about how do we deal with conflict and that's actually a really crucial thing to just have kind of worked out and communicated about beforehand. Um, you know, do you tend to get angry and then he gets quiet? Or, you know, do you tend to, to uh, have difficulty not, you know, resolving things on the same day? Or have you made an agreement as a husband and wife? We're not going to... We're, we're going to work something out before the end of the day. Or we're, you know, just having, I'm just throwing ideas out there, but just having talked through how do we deal with conflict, um, that is going to be so helpful to you in terms of kind of having those ground rules established. And incidentally, um, you know, we're going very quickly through these things. I mean, there's whole books written on conflict management in, the, in yeah. marriages, right? Lots of marriage books. And so we're not going to go in depth, but if, you, if you're thinking, oh, okay, we want, need to talk about developing good conflict management habits, well, uh, where do you start? What, what do we say? Well, maybe one of the things you could do with your spouse before is just read a book together about this, this very topic 
and to help you as you talk through it and, and have a good plan uh, for your marriage as you prepare to go on the field. Maybe actually one of the best ways to think about conflict management is how to, how to prevent it, how to prevent <laughs> conflict. And I know for me there was a period of time in our marriage where I was really struggling with my responses to John. He would ask to do something or he would, you know, certain situations, and I would just respond badly, just respond sinfully. And so there was actually a time where I practiced my responses. Like, I rehearsed them in my head. Okay, I'm going to say things like, Sure. No problem. We can do that. I'd be happy to. I mean, like, I, I had to, like, practice in my head. And, boy, that went a long way in terms of helping deal with conflict because there was no conflict then. Like, I could just, okay. And that the Lord gave me strength to do that, and, and uh, most of the time I meant it. So. <laughs> Um, okay, also, just thinking about another area to kind of talk through um, is that of clarifying your roles. When John and I first moved overseas, we had no children, so everything that we did, we did together. We went to language class together. If we met someone who was interested in talking, we went to lunch with them together. Um, someone invited us to their home, we went together. Suddenly then, about a year in, when Clara Ann was born, it was a big change for me. She was a big sleeper. She loved her sleep, and she liked to sleep at home. Every time I tried to take her out and have her sleep in the stroller or at someone's house in a, in a crib or something, she, would, she wouldn't. And so I discovered suddenly that what I felt like was my doors for ministry just closed. I mean, I just felt like, why am I here? I'm trapped in my apartment all day with this sleeping baby, and I could be two doors down from my mother instead, you know? Instead, I'm halfway around the world. So it just felt kind of, I just was struggling. I was really struggling with what is my purpose here? Why am I, why am I doing this? Um, so just in terms of a role change. Now, for some people, if you're going overseas and you've got kids and you're homeschooling, or you're preparing to put your kids in an international school, or, you know, those kinds of things really affect your role as a woman, if you're a woman. For men, as just clarifying your role um, in terms of your, your work expectations, actually, I think we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, but I, I know that for me, it really helped me as that was happening, as Claire was growing, um, the Lord kind of nudged me in the direction of opening my home a lot more. So yes, I was home with the baby, but my tutor came in and we spoke Chinese and I hired someone to come in and help me with cooking and cleaning and we spoke Chinese and talked together and we invited a lot more people over because we could and because that's where I was. So, um, so that really helped me. But just clarifying roles and kind of thinking through that um, will also... Um, be a, a valuable thing and to gets talk into the, about. the category of expectations again. Yeah. Um, just what the roles are going to be when you arrive. Uh, this is uh, <laughs> this is a picture that we've used often. We've titled this picture "Foreigner Zoo." As you might imagine, in China we look very foreign. <laughs> we have blonde hair and blue eyes. I'm quite tall. Our children are blonde hair and blue eyes. And so in China, we were, we were celebrities. Wherever we went, the paparazzi would gather around us really, and be snapping pictures with their cell phones. 
And so this was a time we actually went to a, a zoo that was cl- close to our town. And uh, you can see over on the, um, it would be your right side, there's a man wearing camouflage, and he's got a little, a little tiger, actually. And it's supposed to be there. People can come by and look at it, pet the tiger. Yet he looks a little sad because nobody cares about him and his tiger. <laughs> Where are they? They're surrounding Rachel, if you can see her there. And she has Claire Ann strapped in like a baby carrier in the front. And everyone is looking at Clara Ann. And there's even a guy with a video camera videotaping <laughs> Clara Ann. And <laughs> it's funny the first couple times. <laughs> but this was what life was like for us every time we went out in public. And so um, one of the challenges for us was maintaining a healthy home environment. Because when we went outside, we were on. We were on stage. Everyone was looking at us. And uh, we needed to have a place where we could be together as a family. We had family time. So one of the challenges, we might, like if it was a beautiful day like today with beautiful colors, we think, oh, let's go outside and enjoy the, enjoy the beauty of it. We couldn't do that in China very easily because we were, we were, we were constantly surrounded by people and, and we couldn't kind of do our own thing. And that's okay. That was the situation. But we had to find a way to find that family time, to have a healthy home environment. Now, we did do hospitality, so that was part of the balance as well. But we had to find a way to have the proper boundaries so that there could be a space where family could be family together and maintain those healthy relationships, have that that time and that place where we could have a healthy home environment. I just want to add one little comment to that, too. We actually had some friends who um, bought pretty thick draperies for their windows, and at night, when it would get dark, they would close them and literally say, bye-bye, China. (laughs) (laughs) Like, now it's just our family. Now it's just our home. We are going to just relax and enjoy and not feel that pressure of being on, like John was saying, all of the time. And so just setting those boundaries, maybe that's something it doesn't bother you at all. You'd be glad to... To, to feel that all the time, and, and that would be totally fine, but in terms of just setting those boundaries. Um, I want to just also mention homeschooling. Managing children's schooling is another area to kind of talk through. What kind of situation will you be going into? Um, homeschooling was what we were doing, partially because that was really about the only option available to us, but also because we believed it was a great, um, a great way to educate our children. But it is, it is challenging. Um, not least of the challenge is how are you going to get all your materials from the states to your, to your location, wherever you are. Um, that was part of, the, part of that challenge. It can, be, it can be tough to know how, how best to help your children adjust and thrive in terms of their learning environment. For us, we did... Um, put our girls in a local kindergarten. They call it kindergarten. It's kind of glorified daycare. But they did do some learning, and it was it was helpful for them because they got to know other kids, and they, they learned how to play in Chinese, if that makes sense. They were learning words that were useful to them. Um, so just, again, thinking through, how do I manage my children's schooling? What kind of issues are we going to be facing and how do I best prepare them and prepare myself for that challenge? So again, in all these areas, we're talking about areas you want to talk about and think about and prayerfully examine together beforehand uh, so that you can thrive on the mission field. Another area when you're going cross-cultural is strategizing for language learning. This is a picture of me 
enjoying myself, studying language. Claren is helping me there. <laughs> I've got the headphones on. I didn't always study that way. It looks pretty comfortable. But you've got to think about language learning. Language learning is difficult. I mean, you might go to an easier language place than we did with China, but you've got to think about language. And one of the challenges with husbands and wives with language learning is it's not uncommon for one to be better than the other one in terms of picking up the language. In fact, it's common that the wife picks up the language more quickly than the husband. So I don't know if everyone's mission will necessarily involve language learning, but I bet many of you will. And so this is the kind of thing you want to talk about beforehand and even talk about things such as, okay, if one of us is better at this, how are we going to deal with that? And in, in terms of uh, strategizing for the times of the day, I mean, these are good things to begin thinking about before you go. Like a lot of the c- categories we're introducing today, you're going to have to be flexible. You get on the field, get to where you're living. There might be new factors you didn't think about. But to begin the conversation now about these topic areas is key to thriving. And so one of those areas is language learning. John often had people who would say, oh, as we were right. talking... You know, we've been talking about yeah. somebody in Chinese. This is true. <laughs> one thing that language learning did for me, it was humbling. Because without fail, out in public, we would start up a conversation with someone in Chinese. And repeatedly, they would talk with us, and then they would pause, and they would look at both of us and say, her Chinese is much better than yours. <laughs> I mean, how many times did I hear that? And it was, it was funny. Again, it was one of those things that was funny the first yeah. few times, and then, you know, the 767th time, you think, that wasn't as funny anymore. So. You start to be hurt. Right. <laughs> I always said it was because women like to chat, and so I would chat with my girlfriends. John had a much better grasp of vocabulary and knowledge than I did, but what I knew I could use, and so, and sometimes I would find myself using phrases that I wasn't quite sure what it meant, but I felt it was appropriate in this situation, and so I sounded, I sounded like I really knew what I was talking about, but sometimes it really was not, and in fact, even way up until just before we left China after, you know, almost eight years of being in that context and speaking that language, I made embarrassing language mistake. So that is, I could have spent the 45 minutes telling you the funny things that, that I said. So, okay. Another area you want to clarify is work responsibilities. This is a picture of, um, so I started a business in China, and these were my employees, as well as some of them were also my teammates, so I supervised them in my mission role, and I was their boss in the business. Um, so a key question is clarifying work responsibilities. I had a lot of, I wore a lot of hats by the time I was done uh, living and working in China, and it changed. So there were work responsibilities that changed. You want to clarify what your work responsibilities are going to be with your organization, with your supervisor. You want to know what you're getting into and what's going to be expected of you, because that's going to have a huge impact on your marriage and family. So you want to communicate beforehand and clarify. Let me give you an example. We, you know, honestly, we were just saying this on the car, way, way over here in the car. <laughs> we said, you know, I wish somebody had told us these things before we went. Because on a lot of these areas, we were not very prepared. And honestly, we had not talked with our supervisor much at all. We didn't even necessarily know exactly what we were going to be expected to do. And so, as I mentioned earlier, we got there, and immediately there was a pressure of certain uh, uh, certain results being produced. In fact, there was a time there, right about that four months in, where we had, we had been sharing the gospel in English, and we'd actually seen some students believe, and so we're doing language learning, and then we were, we were discipling these students, and we were starting to feel this pull of time between, between our, our language learning, discipling uh, students in English, and also continuing to evangelize, but we asked our supervisor in Singapore and said, hey, you know, we think we, 
we, we can't do all this. And so we think, well, we've got to keep studying language and we really got to disciple these new believers. So would it be okay if we backed off on the evangelism a little bit? And his answer was, no, basically just keep doing it all, which was a very discouraging answer at that point. And it really did affect us a lot in the coming months. It was part of our own wrestling with what was going on in our lives and our marriage at that time. But that's why you've got to make sure you have clear expectations of what you're going to be expected to do in terms of work responsibilities when you arrive on your field of service. Even really specific things like how many hours a week will I be expected to do this or that, you know, or what what do you expect for me in terms of language learning or, you know, those kinds of things are, are all um, really important. Well, here you see a beautiful picture of us on a, uh, on a beach on one of Thailand's many islands, outlying islands, and one of the things that we would encourage you to talk through now is committing to rest or specifically setting aside time for vacation. This is kind of tough because if you're in your field of service, it's not, first of all, you came there to, you had a purpose, right? So it's not that you want to just shirk that and just be like, oh, forget it, I, I need a break. On the other hand, we found that it was very important to schedule times of rest. Um, Rest is a biblical concept. It is good to have times of rest. It reminds us that we are not God and we cannot do it all. Um, But we did find that we were able, we were greatly blessed by taking some time away um, to, to just rest and be able to kind of be away from the pressures and, and the life. And, and we were able to do this several times because we had meetings that our organization was sponsoring. And so we were just able to kind of tack on some extra time um, in Thailand and, and enjoyed that as well. So it really is an important thing to think through how, how will you rest? How will you have a, a chance to get away? When you're in your culture, it really, I mean, people said to us, didn't you go and see the terracotta warriors, and didn't you go to do this in China, and didn't you go to do that? That was the last thing we wanted to do, was go traipse around some city that we didn't know. You know, we actually found by the end of our time, the most restful thing was to schedule a staycation, (laughs) and stay home, and not do email, and John didn't go to the office, and we were able to enjoy the comfort of our own home, do fun things together as a family, maybe eat out a few more times, I mean, those kinds of things can be really helpful, too. That's a picture of the kind of city we lived in. (laughs) Uh, Densely packed, high-rises, very polluted. And pick this picture just to be an example of the fact that we have to cope with culture stress. A number of things we've talked about have already touched on that. But, friends, we have some friends who are right now in Morocco. They're doing a short-term trip. They should be coming back next month. And uh, they're trying to start a, a business and um, going very well, a lot of high-level connections. And we got a Skype a couple weeks ago, and the husband was just uh, completely blindsided by feelings of being overwhelmed, despair, emotion. He's like, he's, I'm in mean, these meetings, and I'm, my, my partner, is, I've got to lean on him because I'm about to burst into tears. He's like, what's, what's wrong with me? I, what's happened? I don't know what's going on. This is a very competent person. And as we talk through it, I mean, there's a number of factors, but one of them is culture shock, culture stress, which isn't necessarily something you see coming, and it just rises up on you, a culmination of all these different factors of stress coming together. And so you've got to know this is going to come. You've got to, so things to prepare for is, for instance, to to read about this, to understand this phenomenon, to talk to those who've experienced it, 
to get to know the culture you're going to. Read books about it as a family, as a husband or wife, because you'll have clear expectations. Because those factors of culture that might be interesting and sort of, uh, you want to snap a picture of it at first, three, four, five months in, a year in, starts to become irritating, starts to become frustrating, starts to become something that you don't like at all. And so you need to know this and be aware of it and recognize you're going to have to cope with culture stress. So to be thinking about this as a family, to be talking about it, to be learning about it, to be uh, learning about the kind of cultural differences you're going to encounter is key to thriving as a family on the mission field. Um, just very briefly, I'll do this, Rach. Okay. Um, we've not touched on a number of issues, but we left this last category as the catch-all, miscellaneous. Any... You need to address any additional resolved or challenging issues in your marriage and family, whether it's issues with sick parents or any, any kind of anything. Anything else that's not resolved needs to be addressed because the problem is those things that are left unresolved, once you get over there, those are going to be the weak years. Those are going to be the places that kind of rise up and become your sort of your Achilles heel. And so you don't want to leave things unresolved before you leave. You want to address anything, whatever it might be in your life, in your marriage, in your family, uh, that are unresolved or not, not dealt with, um, you want to address those things in advance. All right, we, we didn't leave you quite as much um, question and answer time here, but um, now it is time for any questions. Um, when you're speaking about the work roles, um, I'm curious if both my husband and I are medical professionals. Okay. And I feel God calling me to also be serving in that but we already have two children and we'll probably have more. Mm-hmm. So I'm really torn. I'm finding myself at this moment really torn. Trying to think through, yeah. just trying to think through yeah. how will that yeah. work, right? With two children and wanting to be involved and, and, and what will that be? And if I can just speak from my experience, the Lord will open a way for the desires of your heart. That's what he did for me when I felt trapped in my house with my baby, who I loved and wanted to be with, and it was so satisfying to meet her needs, and yet feeling like, I, I want to be involved in ministry too, and he did show me, <clears throat> excuse me, how to open, how those doors could open and I could be more involved. So, so I feel like he will, he will provide that, but it's a great thing to think about now. Right. And it's a great thing to communicate about with yeah. whomever you're going to go. And right, so I think that's, that's key for you to be thinking and praying, talking with your husband, and, and really thinking about the details of that beforehand um, so that you have clear expectations and a clear plan. And it might change, too, you know, children's life, you know, yeah. seasons of their life. Yeah. Um, so it's obviously important for you to, to... Just to give you one more quick example, we never dreamed that our children would open doors of ministry for us, but they did. We found, as our kids got older, that the Chinese Christian families around us saw a significant difference in the way we parented, in the way that we... That we just dealt with them in in who they were as people and began to ask us, what are you doing? How are you doing that? Can you teach us about that? Can you teach us about biblical parenting? That was something we never saw on the horizon ever. It never occurred to either of us before we moved to China. And the Lord opened that door as well. So so I really want to encourage you that um, pray and seek Him and and talk with the people you're going to. Another question? 
especially for those who are working in medicine where the needs are always there, it's really important to block out in advance that time to rest and take vacation. Otherwise, you're going you're to burn out. Pretty hard. Yeah, right now, um, we live here in Louisville. I'm studying for a PhD in Christian missions. Uh, something you can pray for us is, is the future. We're uncertain. Uh, I want I, I feel called to be more focused on theological education. The question is whether it's going to be theological education overseas or here in the States. So um, that's where we're at now, and that's, those are the possibilities for the future. Any other questions back there? Yeah, our, in our context, um, the kids as Americans attracted more attention. They, it wasn't a hostile to American culture. So we, if anything, they got too much attention from, from people when we'd be out and about. Um, so just helping them to, to respond in a loving way as much as they could. So sometimes that meant posing for another picture. And sometimes that meant that we protected them and say, I'm sorry, we have to go. We can't, you know, we can't take any more pictures right now. You know, things like that. Um, we tried to talk through those things just, just biblically with them and helping them sort of think through being polite, being kind. Um, honestly, sometimes people were not kind to them in terms of not thinking of their feelings. So I'm holding a baby, and someone comes up and takes her from me. Oh, look at the foreign baby. She's so cute. She's beautiful. And the baby's like, oh, I don't know you. And, you know, why are you touching me? And so um, sometimes it meant us setting some boundaries. And often the baby carrier was super helpful for that because she was strapped to me. And so, so that helped that. But in terms of language learning, we... The, um, the kindergarten that I spoke of was very helpful where they did learn some of that language. But we also worked with them individually, particularly with the woman who was our house helper and in our home all the time. Um, she loved to speak English, though. And so there were times where I was like, remember to speak Chinese to the children because they, they need to understand and they need to hear you speaking it. So their comprehension was very good. Um, they weren't always so brave about actually speaking it out, but they could make their needs known. And so we prepped that and, and talk about that as well. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, I, I'll start anyway. I feel they're doing well. Claire Ann, who's eight, was six when we left, and she has, she has expressed the most sadness and missing our friends there, missing our home there. But even in the last six months or so, whenever memories are talked about or we look at pictures, 
it's been more cheerful. Oh, remember when we would do this? Or remember when, when I would say this? Or, you know, those kinds of things. So she would, she is, there was, a, there was a time, though, we watched a video, and it really got her emotions going, and she told us that she was going to get on a plane, and she had some money in her piggy bank, and so she said, Ai, who is our house helper, Ai will meet me at the airport, and I can work for her, and that's how I can pay for my... She was convinced. So um, my other kids have been were younger, and so they don't remember as much, and I think their Chinese is all gone, too. Um, but in terms of how we're doing, I'll let you. Yeah, I mean, I think we're doing well. We had we had to adjust. We had to hit the ground running. I had to go into a PhD program, so we haven't had too much time to to uh, to reflect on it. The hardest part of leaving was definitely the relationships. I mean, it wasn't hard to leave pollution. It wasn't hard to leave a lot of things, but um, the lo- relationships with our teammates and with our the local Christians who we developed close relationships over the course of many years. That was that was the hardest part. We've stayed in contact with them, but it's. It's obviously not the same, so that was the most challenging part for, for us for, in, in leaving. Um, we probably need to bring this to a close just because the time is up. Um, if you have a question. But yeah, we'll stick around, so if you yeah. want to ask a question, yeah. we'll be up here. Um, just a couple things before I let you go. One, um, I want to just alert you to this because this sounds like a great thing, and I was asked to tell you about it if you haven't already heard about it. MedicalMissionsMentoring.com. Um I'm going to read this because it'll say clearly. This mentoring ministry matches a mentor with someone who aspires to become a healthcare missionary. Uh, this will not be time-consuming. Uh, you connect monthly by phone, Skype, email, in person, and after six months, you decide whether you want to, want to continue or not. And so, um, if you're interested in possibly getting hooked up with a medical missions mentor, you know, we talked about community and, and talking to people who've been there. You could ask a lot of these kind of questions to that person. So this could be a great way to help prepare yourself. So if you're interested, go to medicalmissionsmentoring.com and they'll tell you more about it. And again, our, our big goal today was to outline areas for you to take time now with your spouse, with your family, or your future spouse, and prayerfully talk through. Read some books about it. Prepare in those areas. And we believe that if you, uh, if you do focus on uh, these areas and talking through and, and, and having a plan in advance, you're much more likely to thrive in your marriage and your family life on the mission field. All right, let me close this in prayer and then we'll, we'll be done. Our Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that you are faithful to your people and when we go where you call, we are confident that you will provide all we need, including all we need as, as married couples and as families. So please, Lord, help each one here as they think about their future in medical missions and their future as families to have wisdom from your word, power by your spirit, to be able to prepare wisely so that they might thrive uh, on the mission field for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.